Welcome to The Plants We Eat, an investigation into the surprising history, biology, and culture behind the plants we use for food. My name is Jeff Gilman. I'm the director of the UNC Charlotte Botanical Gardens and a plant history enthusiast. Oh, use my word. I'm sorry. Uh, Cindy, I'm Cindy Proctor, part-time <laughs> instructor at Central Piedmont Community College in Charlotte and a garden coach and urban landscape professional or enthusiast. As well, as well, or or nut or buff or whatever, whatever, whatever it is. Whatever. For, okay. I just love plants. So. so today we are looking at one of my favorite foods, which is garlic. Oh yes. Are you are you a fan of garlic? I love garlic. Me too. I I'm sometimes just, eat too much of it, and it'll make my stomach upset. But. Or eat too much of it, and you smell bad that's for right. a day. <laughs> and I'm okay. That's okay. You're, you're I okay enjoyed, with smelling. I, I enjoyed it, and it's just the way. You it know, is. I'm kind of an introvert. I, I'm a little bit more comfortable when people keep their distance. So I, I'll purposely <laughs> large quantities of garlic to keep people, you know, away from me, and it works really well. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> so garlic. Garlic is part of a group of plants, the uh, uh, the alliums, the onions, that there's it, a huge number of onions out there, somewhere in the range of a thousand species. It includes garlic and onions and leeks and chives, and there are many others that all we those can, wonderful all things those to eat. Wonderful things to, to eat. To adorn food, yes. Exactly. They all basically get their um, smell from or smell and taste from um, these sulfur compounds. We've already discussed onions in this podcast. Mm -hmm. And onions and garlic, they're very closely related. Now, one thing that I wanted to mention is that these are both bulbs, but they're different types of bulbs. The onion is this one big bulb. When you have a gar when you have a garlic bulb, you're actually looking at a whole it's not actually a single bulb, it's actually a group of separate bulbs. That's what makes it unique. Right, exactly. The cloves so, is what you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. So each clove is actually its own separate bulb. So it's mm -hmm. this collection of bulbs in this uber bulb or this mm -hmm. mega bulb. And in other plants that have bulbs, you would call them daughter bul bulblets. But this is unique because it's it captured in one kind of tunic or papery. Right. Know. This papery this papery tunic mm -hmm. holds all these smaller I, we could call them bulblets. No, but that's confusing. Cloves. Okay. Okay. This paper outer covering holds all these cloves, cloves together. And if you have just a single clove, you have a whole separate plant, and it's very easy to grow one of these larger, uh, one of these larger mega bulbs out of any of these individual cloves. One of the things that I found most interesting about garlic was the fact that when you're when you're dealing with your different garlics. These garlics haven't been sexually produced. Mm -hmm. The garlic basically only reproduces. Well, I shouldn't say only. I'm going to talk about an exception Mostly. in a minute. Mostly is produced asexually. So when we're talking about garlic, we're talking about a single species. And in this single species, you can find reports of up to about 600 cultivars of garlic. I know. And wow. all of these different cultivars of garlic, you see, when you talk about different cultivars of apples, different cultivars of grapes, these mostly came about sexually. You take two different types of grape, you breed them together, you plant all the seeds, and because of variation that you have because of sex, you get all these different types of plants. With garlic, you don't have that. All these differences come from, or at least most of these differences, come from natural 
mutations within within a genome, not from this mixing of Isn't genomes. Isn't that interesting? That, it's fascinating, yeah, and it's very is... very rare. But one thing that I that that I discovered, which um, you won't find uh, won't find out there, is this is this. Um, is this study by um, this researcher, Dr. Gail Volk. And she actually looked at 211 different varieties and did DNA sampling of 211 varieties. And what she found is that we're probably not actually dealing with 600 cultivars, or again, she was looking at 200, Mm -hmm. 211, around 200. What we're actually probably dealing with are 10 distinct types with perhaps minor DNA differences, mm-hmm. but only minor DNA differences. So these minor d- DNA differences are going to be responsible for some of the cultivars, but garlic has remarkable differences in shape, size, taste, based on where it is planted. So a cultivar that does well here in Charlotte, North Carolina, may also do well up where I used to live in St. Paul, Minnesota, mm-hmm. But although it does well in both places, it's going to look and taste differently Mm -hmm. based on where it's grown. So we're calling it by a different cultivar name, but really it could be exactly the same cultivar. So we may be giving it more cultivar names than it really deserves to have. It's more of a provenance kind of issue. Provenance, right, exactly. Provenance (laughs) or provenance or however you want to call it, this, that's, that's, that's a horticultural term, which means where you plant it has a big effect on what it looks like and tastes like. And performs and, and how and it performs. Exactly. And, and you know, we talk about that a lot with grapes and with wine. It's probably even more pronounced in garlic than it, than it is with grapes, which isn't to say that garlic is never produced sexually, but it's actually quite rare. And it's only been in the last 20 or 30 years that researchers have found certain garlic, certain cultivars of garlic that will produce flowers that will actually cross. But when they do find these flowers, these flowering plants, um, they just don't do that well. Um, Seed germination rates, so they'll produce seed, they'll find their flowering plants, and they'll cross them. Seed germination rates, in other words, the number of seeds that actually grow is 8%. So out of 100 seeds, you'll have eight of those seeds actually start to grow. And after they grow, many of the seedlings actually have low viability. So we are just starting to see um, the beginnings of uh, any type of a garlic breeding program. There's there's no serious, I shouldn't say no serious, but we're seeing the beginnings of garlic garlic breeding programs now. We really don't have serious, serious garlic breeding programs where new garlic is coming out of. And this is different than almost every other plant we have looked at on this podcast. Every other plant we've looked at in this podcast, um, in one way or another, they're looking at, at breeding or somebody somewhere is looking at breeding. Mm-hmm. We're barely scratching the surface of that now. We haven't really gar- needed to, maybe. Well, I think that's part of it. I mean, yeah. garlic has been around for a long time. It's been around at least since the ancient Egyptians. We've got uh, at least 6,000 years. And the big thing that people have used garlic for, besides food, which of course they've used it for food, but they've used it for, uh, for medicine. You know, it's it's developed a number of nicknames over the years, and I thought these nicknames were just 
fascinating. So I've got a quick list of nicknames for garlic over the years. Russian penicillin. (laughs) Natural antibiotic. All right, that one's boring. Vegetable Viagra. Plant talisman. Rustics thoracic. Snake grass. Aren't these great nicknames? Snake grass. Snake grass. Okay. That's it. Those that's my that's my quick that's my well, quick list. That goes that I bet there's more if you oh, do a little more I'm, research. Uh but th- it goes it goes to say how much history or how long this has been in our culture over across uh boundaries, uh religions. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, I think this is one of those plants that everybody would know what it is, uh for and and because they've used it for a variety of reasons. You Everything know, from Religious ceremonies to to protecting yourself from the plague. Uh, There's one historian who talked about um, the Roman march across uh-huh. um, Europe, and he actually made note that basically you can follow um, garlic spread across Europe anyway um, by the by where um, garlic ended up across Europe. You can actually trace the Roman movement uh-huh. by the garlic movement, garlic introduction okay. to different spots across That's Europe. interesting. So I thought that That's was very telling, interesting. actually. So garlic has been reported to be valuable for all kinds of different health conditions. And uh, one of the chemicals in garlic is allicin, uh, and this allicin actually breaks down pretty rapidly from fresh garlic once it's, once it's crushed or used. Um, when people took doses of allicin at about um, 20 times what you find in a regular garlic clove, so <laughs> a lot of it, it had a, it had actually a significant impact on the occurrence of colds in a relatively small clinical study, but it was really interesting. It, it did actually appear to have this effect. And when I say small study, they're talking about 100 people. So even though it was small, it was big enough mm-hmm. that, hey, garlic does seem to, and by the way, this is kind of a bummer because I'm going to mention all kinds of things that garlic might do, but in very few cases do we actually have the information to show that garlic really does this. It's been implicated in all kinds of stuff. Even evil spirits. Even evil, <laughs> even evil, evil spirit <laughs> removal, yeah. That's right. Yeah, getting rid of those vampires. That's right. uh, but the truth is we don't have enough data to say that it it's really effective. You know what? I, I don't mean it to interrupt. No, go right ahead. But I'm sitting here thinking, I have found just as much research discounting, you know, uh, all of your claims. And so I'm sitting here thinking there, there needs to be more work done because the concentration needed to have an effect health-wise is, needs, high. is high, but needs to be cleared up I, know, on, on what's I, needed to actually... Uh, have those claims. I agree completely. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got so many studies implicating it, and then we've got studies saying it does nothing, and all these, and many of these studies. This cold one actually was one of the studies with higher numbers in it. Okay. Um, But But do those garlic pills have enough concentration of the compound? Probably not. That's right. Probably not, because once it's processed, we see a a rapid reduction in this. Um, Again, I'm going to say all kinds of things Everything I'm saying is just hopeful. <laughs> we don't have the evidence at this point. Cancer is one of the most interesting, or uh, cancer prevention is one of the most interesting things that's been implicated in. Um, it certainly looks as though it may have some effect on, on cancer. I think that probably 
um, you know, one of the most one of the most telling things that's out there is that the National Cancer Institute, which is a part of the National uh, Institute of Health, doesn't recommend any dietary supplement for preventing cancer, but it does recognize garlic as one of several vegetables um, with potentially anti-carcinogenic uh, properties. And when you read through the studies, you can see why. No, it, it's clear that garlic doesn't look by eating garlic, you are not going to stop cancer. It's well, just not going to happen. Well, an orange a day keeps the doctor away. Right. Well, you can look at it that way. You maybe. can look at it that way. And and I certainly think there are enough studies out there to suggest that it may help, particularly stomach cancers. Mm-hmm. Um, but is it actually, you know, is it a cure-all? No. Uh, there was one Chinese study that saw potentially a 50% um, reduction in cancer incidence. And I think that might be the way that can- that garlic could be looked at, is that it certainly could help but by no means is it going to prevent cancer. It simply may slow things down or mm-hmm. in some people have have some kind of an impact. Now, one place, one study which I did find uh, absolutely fascinating and where I hope garlic is looked at more uh, closely is um, the reduction in uh, lead that oh. that it uh, that it shows with people who've had um, chronic lead poisoning. It, the, the title of the paper, and I'll give you that real quick, is Comparison of Therapeutic Effects of Garlic and D-Penicillamine in Patients with Chronic Occupational Lead Poisoning. And they had people uh, take either three doses, heavy doses, of garlic a day or three doses of the standard treatment for uh, lead poisoning, and what they found was that uh, garlic administered in this way, these high doses actually reduced the amount of lead in the so bloodstream with the lead, and okay. seems to take it out at roughly the same level as the standard treatment. Not only that, it had significantly less um, uh, significantly less side effects than this other treatment did. Now, this is the only paper that I found on it, but the, but the um, results were so, uh, so good that I, I really hope that it's um, followed up. It certainly seemed to be effective in that situation. The, the other thing that I found, you know, garlic has been used as a, as a medicine, uh, again, for many different things. Uh, one that I didn't mention was that it, it certainly is an antibiotic. Is it an antibiotic at the same level as penicillin? No, but on an open wound, applying garlic or uh, applying garlic or even onion is mm-hmm. going to help to knock down your microbial population. I've heard if you crush a clove and with some olive oil, it can help with uh, even middle ear infections and things like that. Right, and is it again? Is it as effective as modern antibiotics? No, no. But I, it was. But it's it's not bad. General General Grant. Um, actually sent a memo to the War Department in Washington when he ran out of uh, onions because he was he was using them as an, as an antiseptic and he said I will not move my troops without onions and they actually sent him three cartloads so that he had onions to serve as an antiseptic and mm-hmm. antibiotic um, so and garlic was used not so much as an antibiotic but as an antiseptic in both World Wars One and Two and 
by antiseptic means we could sterilize a uh, a scalpel with it, mm-hmm. for for example. So these have been valuable tools for years and years as anti antiseptics and antibiotics. But what I was speaking about before, and what I want to get back to, is that historically, and I'm talking about Egyptians, Greeks, Romans, they actually separately, they seem to have evolved this separately, so they seem to have separately um, evolved the the idea, the use of garlic as uh, an endurance stimulator. <laughs> so they would actually, their athletes would eat it. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they were using slaves, they would feed slaves large amounts of garlic to increase their, their endurance. And actually, as an anti-fatigue medicine. Mm-hmm. And recently, like over the past 10 years, they've started doing some clinical studies on garlic as an anti-fatigue, as an endurance medicine. And with a few studies that don't show much, m- the majority of the studies seem to show some significant effect. And even though it's a, a small number of pati- participants, about 10, which is a very low number, there's a very... Um, interesting study done with uh, taking, ingesting garlic and having that increase your ability to utilize oxygen um, oh. among among college athletes. And that was a very interesting study. So that's something that I hope is followed up on. Certainly, I know athletes today who take garlic as a natural supplement to increase endurance. So if I eat more pesto? Then I'll I think you're in. there. I, okay. I think I'm all in. I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> Are you a pesto lover? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know the funny. I'm. I'm really not unless it's on my caprese salad. Oh, pesto is so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but garlic on Italian dishes is my favorite. We were talking about how we like to eat it. I I I love garlic. Have on you ever it. grown it? You know, I have not. I did have a friend up in Minnesota who was just a crazy garlic grower. Well, they're easy to grow, and I think that's part of why maybe it was so utilized for so many thousands of years. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, not just that, but it's easy to grow. You can grow it amongst your perennial bed. Now, do you grow the soft neck or the hard neck? Well, in the south, you want to do the soft neck. Okay. So, and then the uh, north, you want to do the hard neck. So you were talking about a lot of cultivars. I mm-hmm. group them in those two categories. Okay. Because, it, it you know, it's success depends on what part of the country you live in. Mm-hmm. Um, not everything loves high humidity, high heat, and lots of rainfall like we have here. And up north, you, they have less of that. So um, that that's the difference. So soft neck here in the south, hard neck up in the north. Are they an annual crop? Uh, yes, So you're go- because you're going to harvest. Right, so you're going to plant a clove, and that clove will turn into your bulb by the end of the season. Right, with all your little cloves. Right. And you can use a clove from the grocery store, but they've mm-hmm. probably sprayed it with some anti-rooting uh, mm-hmm. chemicals so it'll it'll uh, last longer on the shelf. Mm-hmm. So you, you, I would do it mail order, farmer's market, hardware store is get mm-hmm. your, they call seeds, but they're mm-hmm. really cloves. Right. And you can plant those a couple inches, mm-hmm. you know, eight inches apart amongst your Hey, chia seeds <laughs> <laughs> or your intercrops, chia right, and intercrops, garlic. and um, and grow them. I mean, it would it, it's really easy. I mean, it take it's better to do it in, in the in the fall, um, and then they can overwinter. If you're up north, you'll need to plant them a little deeper to to keep them from freezing, mm-hmm. because they take they can take up to nine months to to, okay. to reach har- maturity. Mm-hmm. Now, some of the problems uh, occur in harvest, so they're real easy to grow, mm-hmm. but you know we 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 can tend to overmanage the harvest and mm-hmm. and and lose our success with our gar- with our uh, garlic. 
you you um, some complaints are that it doesn't it has one big clove. So right. like the clove just got bigger and bigger and bigger under soil and it didn't separate. Yeah, you know, and those those could be things that. Uh, that respond to stress, mm-hmm. you know, and so stress could be overwatering, underwatering, you know, the typical things mm-hmm. that we do in urban uh, landscapes. So be ma- wary of that. It's the well-drained soil that's really the key okay. to that. Now, um, one thing is you need to cure it for two weeks, and what I mean is after you've pulled it up, mm. uh, when the the foliage has turned brown. You pull it up. So fresh garlic isn't really fresh garlic. It's not. Yeah, it has to kind of cure for two weeks, or it'll mold. Because okay. you can't. You can't unless you're going to use the whole thing right that day, which none of us can eat. Right. Uh, a whole. Uh, you know what? Ten cloves. <laughs> so we should we should define curing. That's dry, dry mm-hmm. space. Dry space. I, cool. Okay. Uh, and you know you see pictures, which there's actually pottery. Mm-hmm. That you can store it mm-hmm. that uh, that kind of allow just a slight a bit moisture without being wet mm-hmm. and um, but drying at the same time so minimal moisture um, but there are garlic pots mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm sure you've seen those uh, yeah. for sale yeah so then um, that's it uh, they're pretty that they're that easy to grow that's amazing it now is. I'd like to mention two ways. That that uh, that you can eat garlic. One that I love and one that I hate. <laughs> the first that I love. Have you ever taken just a just a bought the the whole bulb, you know, uh-huh. with all the cloves, stuck it into the oven, <sighs> and just and just you know roasted it yes. for, for about, and then just dug out the cloves and wiped it on bread. Yes, a little bit of olive oil, and that's take see, the papery off. Though, yes, right? yeah, you take the papery Not off. Not on each clove. You got to keep it intact. Yeah, actually, well, but don't you cut the top off? So I cut the top mm-hmm. off, and then I actually take a little spoon and just scoop out the whole clove, and it's all soft, and mm-hmm. I, I rub that on bread, and with a touch of olive oil, that's better than any pesto out there. Yeah, I got it. I, just <laughs> yeah. a straight, just a straight garlic. <laughs> then the other way. So I use garlic powder in a lot of. Cooking. Okay. I, I use garlic a lot. I think that's like the lazy man's way of using garlic, don't <laughs> it, you? Unless you're it, making it, garlic bread. It is, but I use it, you know, I use it for dry rubs. Oh, for, okay. Um, and so that's a place okay. where I use it a lot. But there's also this garlic salt. So let me tell you what garlic salt is, because I think that garlic salt is overused and it's just not very good. All that is is one part garlic powder, three parts, parts salt with a little bit of anti-caking stuff in there. <laughs> Um, That's gross. <laughs> it, it is. Don't use garlic salt. Use garlic powder and add your salt separately so you can get the ratio that you like. Uh-huh. Uh, garlic garlic salt is just an absolute waste. Do I have it in the cabinet? Yes, it's been there for you know twenty years. I'm <laughs> never going to use it, but because the anti caking junk in there, it'll you know it'll never go bad. So. It, that's my thoughts on, okay. on eating garlic. I'm enriched. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Plants We Eat. This has been a production of the UNC Charlotte Botanical Gardens and the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences at UNC Charlotte with help from the university's Isle Group and Alex Frizzell. We look forward to talking with you next week.